All right. Hello and welcome back to Lego Mania Memories. And we're moving into 1997, looking at the January-February issue of that magazine, which brings us a whole new castle. Yeah, and it is the poorestly timed issue ever. This should have been the September-October issue. Yeah, given how much they just loaded up with bats and... Uh, the whole symbolism is very witches and Halloween-esque. Uh, the fact that they released it in... Uh, well, I mean, the fact that they released it at the start of the year maybe isn't so strange. Lego didn't have quite as much of a uh, every three or four or six-month cycle then as they do now. But even so, to use this as the first issue of the year does seem like a missed opportunity in the marketing department. Yeah, this is uh, Fright Nights. Uh, very... Halloween-y themed castle theme that, uh, as I said, really didn't make any sense that it wasn't uh, it released in a more appropriate time. Although, uh, yeah, certainly I uh, I enjoyed this issue. It was our first castle issue, and castle has always been one of the premier, probably the premier Lego theme in our in our uh, universes and in our just what we owned. And this was the, the last Lego theme of kind of the connected themes of the 90s. So we really enjoyed even having this little bit of a deeper glimpse into the world of our castle realms. Yeah, the Fright Nights are somewhat maligned, uh, or at least they were back in the 2000s by Lego fans who were older than us and possibly down about our age as sort of the beginning of the end of Good Castle. Some people would push it back to the Royal Knights even, or the Dragon Masters, but uh, that was not a universal opinion. But there, there's a, a stigma around the Fright Knights that looking back, looking at this magazine, I understand, but I also find that I don't share because this is still so much a part of our childhood. The Fright Knights were very important in many ways. They, they marked a turning point. They did. For us ourselves, they... They were very significant for us because they provided us our primary source of bad guys in our in our uh, in our castle games for many a year. As this was un undoubtedly a bad guy theme, and so we could make use of it, and we were able to acquire enough figures for this theme that we could actually field a decent sized army uh, as a bad guys. Particularly for you, as you didn't have any Dragon Masters, which was the only other theme at this point that we had designated as a bad guy theme. Yes, the, the Dragon Masters, as we got older, did start turning into, say, the Klingons of the next generation era, which is to say, nominal bad guys, but full of honor and awesomeness and coolness, and not quite entirely bad. And Part of that may have been because I didn't have any, so they were just, they were hard to make the centerpiece bad guys in a way that the Fright Knights, who were not quite so cool, were quite able to do. Although the interesting thing about the Fright Knights is that they were simultaneously super bad and therefore good villains, but also arguably the most pathetic country in our castle realms, and yet somehow able to take down our really powerful and cool royal knights and lion knights and black knights and dark forest we we had to sort of juggle two uh distinct and not entirely compatible concepts well it was it was a concept of necessity as bad guys have to win the first round and these are the only bad guys we had in significant quantities at least more so for you than for me but even for me the fright knights were a sizable army i think i only had a couple fewer than you so uh 
they, they were large enough that, that it wasn't like the lions where you had one and it was a token force. They were large enough they could be called an army. There was a leader and there was a magic person and there were soldiers. There were enough people. You could have some get wounded in battle and yet they would have enough survivors to win the battle, which is sort of an important balancing point, I think, at least in the way that we were playing. It was a very interesting theme for us. Um, it, 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 it allowed us to acquire dragons. Um, you had a green one and a black one, and I had a black one through the Fright Night sets, which is something that we never had, but certainly would have wanted to acquire through the Dragon Master sets, as has been alluded to in past episodes. And there were a lot of new pieces with this theme, or at least new for us, and some were new for LEGO as a whole, that were um, pretty interesting. Not necessarily game changers, but a lot of, a lot of new pieces. Uh, a new color scheme, which I actually quite like the color scheme of it, all all things considered. Um, like you had the bat piece, you had the bat lord helmet, you had Willa's red uh, wand, her broom, which I don't think was a new piece, but it was a new piece for us, her crystal ball piece. Um, all the minifigures that come with this theme are actually really nice minifigures, like their, their torsos in particular are all really good torsos that are quite usable in other themes. They're they're not like super corny or branded with bats everywhere. They're all actually fairly subtle and and work good for a variety of uses. And as well, this is also the theme where we first encountered cloth capes, barring your one Royal Knight King's cloth cape, which was even at this point almost a relic not to be uh, used too vigorously. Yeah, certainly by the time we actually got any Fright Nights, because we didn't get any Fright Nights. The very first Fright Nights set that uh, either of us got, I got, and I did get it within 1997. So it was the year the theme came out on December like 27th or 28th. It was in that after Christmas spending our money while we were visiting the grandparents, period. So a long time after we got this magazine. Um, but no, you're, you're, you're right about pointing out a bunch of the, the, the parts here. Um, and I actually think that Willa's broom is a new mold. There were brooms before, but they were the straight town brooms. I'm pretty sure that the, the castle broom with the, the sort of the, the witch's curve to it was new to this theme. It would get used in some other ones, but it was new here. Was there not a broom with uh, a peasant or something from some of the old forestman or lion knight sets? I think you might be conflating the broom with the pitchfork, which, of course, we never had. Hmm. I, I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure that the curved broom was a new addition to this theme. It's something uh, for the, 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 the picky listener to look up and find out. Um, but no, you're also right about the design of the minifigs. The, the minifigs are among the best that LEGO has ever put out in terms of their utility. They're all based off of neutral colored torsos, only the Batlord uh, has a, a, a primary colored torso. Um, the highlight colors is a lot of red mixed in there, but you could pop the arms off or replace the legs. Basic helmets. Um, the Batlord helmet was a new mold, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's a really tasteful uh, new mold here. Uh, the Fright Knights didn't introduce the Chrome Sword, but we definitely sort of got an update to our Chrome Sword collection here because the ones that we got with the Royal Knights, by the time we got any Fright Knights, those had been stripped of their Chrome. And then they got swapped with the Fright Knights so that our Royal Knight Kings got these nice new bright shiny ones and our Fright Knight Batlords were going around with, uh, well, sort of translucent, crappy looking ones. Uh, maybe you did. I don't think I did. I think my Batlord kept his silver one, and I only had the one silver one. You had a second one or two. 
Uh, and your role in the prince's sword was far, far more gone. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't remember swapping them out, but that's neither here nor there. Well, and later down the road, we would end up getting accessory sets, which would bulk us up a little bit more as well. But uh, yeah, no, it's there's a lot of good things to say about Fright Nights, and and I think you're right that the color scheme here is is is, is interesting. It, it involves more dark gray than any theme had used before, even the Royal Knights, which had started incorporating it in. Um, and uh, it uses a lot of red for contrast, which is really quite effective. And yet at the same time, if you take a look at these, these sets, and I've, I've got my magazine open to the to pages two and three, where you've got the, the spread of the two castles in front of me. This is a step backwards in Lego's design, uh, just in sort of terms of the chunkiness or the blockiness or the, the juniorization, as it would get called, uh, and maybe Willa's Magic Manor is just dragging down the whole theme, but Batlord's Catapult's kind of like that too. Witch's Windship is kind of like that too. And if you think of those four as the, the primary sets, Nightlord's Castle is awesome, but the rest of them don't necessarily live up to the promise of that as, as construction. Uh, as minifigs, though, that's a different story. I think the Batlord's Catapult is as generic and bland as just about any little wagon set that came from Castle in the 90s. Um, I, I will agree. Well, we may as well just start talking about the sets, I guess. Um, there's the Batlord, uh, the small set, which is just the Batlord sitting on his dragon. And he is like kid out to the max in the Batlord. He's got his dragon mount. He's got his full cape and chrome sword and bat staff and bat helmet. And Frank, it's a really nice little set. Like you get a really cool fig with his cool dragon like often the case with sets of the time is that like the cool thing like the dragons say you wouldn't get on the small set version of him like if you think of the royal knights you got the the royal knight king had like the cool helmet or the cool chrome crown and the crown sword that you could get with the small little just the king on his horse but it wouldn't come with the the barding the big barding saddle it wouldn't come with the a feather in the crown and it wouldn't come with the cloth cape all that you had to wait to get the big castle to get but here you get all the tricks in the small set which is i i find is, it's really nice and was really nice for us because we actually got to have like a kitted out bad guy figure yeah basil the bat lord that 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 set if if the entire theme were reduced to that set it would be it would be a a, a home run all the way um, and one of the perhaps things that you would might overlook just glancing at it, but which is is really quite cool about that set, is the 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 rod of his staff, which is just a it's a regular five length antenna piece, but it's a trans red uh, antenna piece, and uh, that was certainly the first one I ever owned of those, and even now they're still pretty rare. It's just it's a cool uh, cool set start to finish. And and for those starting out in proto Star Wars years, it was uh, a good piece source to make some proto lightsabers with oh ab absolutely that 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 was a major uh, uh contributor um no and, and i mean and if we look right next to the set uh basil we keep referring to the set as as basil and and uh, the set i think it's just batlord but basil the batlord uh, a couple of characters get named in this catalog and we took those names and we ran with them basil maybe didn't get quite as much attention as willa but got a significant amount basil is absolutely a character uh that we know and maybe even love in a sort of twisted he's a bad guy guy and when we get to a further page with some more backstory of the characters we'll we'll talk more about about them um and then we have the next set batlord's catapult which is a set that you own the first set that you got and 
It's just a, a little catapult wagon pulled by a horse with two soldiers, one who's kitted out enough that he has a feather in his helmet, he's got a larger shield, and he's got a chrome sword. Uh, in my opinion, it's a perf- perfectly fine little set, and again, good minifigures. Both those guys' torsos are very nice torsos that are quite quite usable in a multitude of settings. Yeah, no, it, it was it, it was a good introduction, but I, I I will still maintain it's not a not that it's necessarily a bad design to a set, but it's not a strong design to a set. Um, and and to be fair, Lego's wagons, especially in a sub ten dollar set, are very frequently not all that interesting. So maybe I'm 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 holding the Fright Nights against it a little bit, but the the two. The two fire flingies that you can put inside the barrel and the fact that it's a catapult that has a barrel on the back end that flings things afire, it does just seem a little bit simpler compared to, say, the catapults of the Black Knight uh, era where we each had dual defender. That's sort of what I consider the gold standard of a catapult. Uh, the, the, the pot-handled one, or the pot-ended ones of the Royal Knight era. There's one at the Royal Knight's Castle. There's one that you have with the Dark Forest set. Those, to me, seem a little bit more well-designed, whereas this is a plate with a barrel. So maybe because I know it better, or maybe just uh, I'm being unfair because it's Fright Nights. But it's, it, it is probably the oldest set I own now, that I have not rebuilt. The minifigs are built, and the minifigs uh, uh, are arguably uh, uh, still an important, if minor, part of my collection. But the set itself, I don't know, the horse is important somewhere else. I really don't need a fireball catapult. Uh, it, 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 it's not bad, but it's not memorable. Maybe that's where I should I think you're being a little too harsh on it, but that's in here or there. On the flip side, though, Witch's Windship, very memorable. And I'm absolutely not being too hard on it. It's uh, it's a very interesting design. Uh, you acquired this set, and I was rather miffed in my heart of hearts about it because you had now acquired a green dragon. A green dragon which, in my heart of heart, ultimately belonged with Dragon Masters, which was my theme. Fright Nights were more your theme than my theme. Uh, in our multiple witches that we had, you would have the the ultimate witch leader, the the proper Willa, I believe mine was Wilma, and then your secondary witch was Wilmar or something like that. Uh, you you have the, uh, the their names correct. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think it became partly more mine a because I got some first, but also sort of the counterbalance to Dragon Masters because I had none. So my Willa had a greater need to become important because you had not only Magisto, you had the backup Magisto, the one that we named Mydro. Um, where so if I was going to have a powerful magical user in the castle realms, Willow was going to have to step up to the plate. She couldn't just be eccentric. Uh, she was, but she couldn't just be eccentric. incredibly eccentric. And her flying vehicle only added to that. Yes, it's uh, looking at it now. It's it's not a terrible idea. It does lean very much more into the fantasy end of things, which Lego had not been very fantasy ended up until this point. Dragon Masters were as close as it had gotten. Um, with Magisto and the wizard, but even there, I, I'd call it almost more Arthurian than full-blown fantasy. Like, it didn't quite go all the way. Um, whereas the Fright Knights were much more willing to, with uh, Willa's two different flying vehicles anyway, the stuff around Willa was willing to go much more towards the interesting, uh, f- fantastical element. Uh, but yeah, that green dragon, I mean, 
uh, one of the reasons I think why I don't like the set is because the way it's built, the wings are not on the dragon. So if you take the dragon off of the wind ship, you also have to pop the wings off and put them on him, or just deal with the idea that maybe the dragon doesn't have wings. I also d dislike the fact that the wings were not red, because that's wrong. Yeah, I, I still remember in, in, various, in various games being employed as a almost kamikaze uh, saw a spinning blade of death that would crash into the enemy. There was probably an, definitely an element of that, and partly because what else are you going to do when the good guys haven't got any aircraft to fight against them? Um, had there been like a, a a mounted dragon with a knight on it, like the uh, the castle would have in the 2007 era, maybe things would have gone differently. But uh, as it was, with nothing to compete with, if you were going to let the good guys have a fighting chance, something had to take that down. And a lot of the times, the the easiest way to do that narratively was just make the bad guys do that. Yeah, make them fly incompetently. I mean, it fit with the character of the Fright Knights. Willow was not a a figure of, uh, shall we say, bureaucratic efficiency. She was uh, she was chaotic evil, not lawful evil. And then we get to the, the penultimate set here, the, the second largest one, which is Magic Manor, which the more I look at it, the more I'm so confused by it. It is such a jumble. For one thing, it isn't built on a base plate per se, like the proper thin base plates that most sets on. It's built on a thick brick brick size it's, it's a brick base plate like it's 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 the full thickness of a brick it's a giant brick it's probably like a 16 by a couple of 16 by 8 brick slabs yeah and and that was a new thing for for fright knights and it's not just witch's magic manor the the night lord's castle has it as well and when they came along in a few years the knight's kingdom would use it that as sort of their 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 method and their style as well but it's it's different from what had come before in castle even the fright even sorry, uh, the dark forest the year before regular base plates ninja which would come the following year and sort of take over the castle slot and legos lineup would go back to normal base plates for the most part so it's it's odd that they went with a full brick height base plate here um and if i were to describe the design of this castle i would describe it as five rock pieces in an arch well I, w I wouldn't call it a castle by any sense of imagination it's yeah it's just a bunch of random rock slabs with a few ar small arches maybe they're trying to create like a, a sense of a ruin i don't know it's 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 really bizarre it's really bizarre don't know what the design inspiration was for this yeah i mean certainly our idea as kids looking at it was it was that it was quote unquote a castle but yeah looking at it now a ruin might have been a better way of putting it. they call it a manor and i don't know when i think manor i'm thinking of a really nice house in england i'm not thinking of a gap in a bunch of rocks but this this set, despite that, I would say, did sort of contribute to the way we imagined the Fright Nights. The largest set that we ever had was the minifigure set, which didn't even come out until the following year, um, or Batlord's Catapult, whichever one you want to call the larger of them. So we never had a place for our Fright Nights, but I think the idea that they lived in sort of the, the hinterlands in a mountainous country on the edge of things uh, owes a lot to this set and to these two pages. And it also gave them a reason to want to attack the wealthy, fertile, uh, blessed uh, flatlands of the of the good guy king. They also uh, these two large sets kind of set the tone for what the political structure of the Fright Knights were. In that the Batlord's castle, 
versus uh, Witch's Magic Manor is Willa had her magic manor, but the political capital of the nation was was the Batlord's castle, and he, uh, well, he he was definitely under her thumb. He was nominally the the political leader of the nation. Yes, I I think I, I think in the early years we didn't necessarily play that up as much, but it definitely was a an element, especially as as things developed, was that Basil was the 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 rightful king of the Fright Knights. He just didn't actually get to rule them because. Well, there's this crazy and powerful witch that he kind of uh, worships and obeys who sort of like lives in his attic and tells him what to do. There are a couple other new pieces that you see in these sets that uh, perhaps you don't think them so much with the Fright Nights. But to my memory, this is where we first learned about these pieces. One is the chain piece. There's a couple in the Batlord's Castle and at least one in the Magic Manor. Uh, I think the chain piece in my head was more associated with was it this definitely came out around this time and just thinking of the the themes we went through in 96 none of them were featuring this yet not even uh the wild west sets that we had um they there was still a string being used with the bandit set the divers were a later theme in 97 and i want to say they might have pain or two but yeah that's that's definitely something that was newish for lego at this point and then in the magic manor there's a revolving door or evolving wall, sorry, uh, which is a piece that in my mind is always associated with adventurers as its primary point. But I guess this is where it first had its debut. Yeah, obviously, uh, adventurers it played a very important part since uh, it's in Pharaoh's Forbidden Ruins, and that's a set we actually owned. Uh, it would get a little bit of use again in Castle as the stained glass window with the Knight's Kingdom, which I always tend to think of as well. Uh, we get some use with Alpha Team. It's a set. It's a piece that got a, a, a wide range of use in the the juniorized era. So I guess it's kind of appropriate that it showed up here in what might be called the first juniorized set. And then we have uh, the uh, Night Lord's Castle, which, to be honest, I really like. It's it's kind of ugly. It's not great, but I like it both now and then in part because it really does have a strong fortress feel to it like it's actually i can't really see and i've never actually been able to i've never actually had the opportunity to look at this set in detail in person so i don't really know what it's like but looking at from what i can see it actually gives the impression that it's actually like a lot of lego castles have like a strong front and then a pretty empty back where you could kind of walk in if you wanted to and this may very well have that, but at least the way it's presented, it looks like it actually has a wall around it. And this is the one thing we never had was any sort of base for our bad guys. They were always attacking the good guys' bases. But this actually would have been a solid base that bad guys could have repelled an attack from. And it's it's got a lot of just a lot of gray bricks, a lot of a lot of one by two crenellations along the battlements. And just really for ten year old me had a really good, uh, good, solid, sturdy feel to it. It was like, yeah, it was kind of uglier. It didn't have quite the elegance that some of the castles did, but it kind of was fitting. This is a bad guy castle. It's supposed to be ugly. And it, it looked imposing and strong and certainly would have been a great source of a lot of bricks uh, in any time we took apart sets to make our own creations with. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right about the fact that it's a bad guy castle helps it a little bit. It, it does sort of, allow it to be deliberately ugly a little bit so you've got like the the gray and the black and the dark gray and the red in some cases just kind of thrown together as opposed to being a really unified color scheme but it kind of works for it and uh and the thing that it 
it makes me think of now. Um, and I think as a kid, part of the reason I, I liked it, it was the biggest bad guy set. I liked it because Basil had a barding on his horse. It's way better than Witch's Magic Manor. It's the biggest set of the theme. It has a royal knight. But I didn't necessarily love it as an idea because I was pretty invested in the classic good guy castles. The Lion Castle of King's Mountain Fortress, the Dungeon Master's Castle of the Black Knights, the Royal Knight Castle. This is a different sort of castle than those. It isn't as much fairy tale where it's got like a keep with some towers on it. This, what this is though, at least looking at it now and why I, I really wish I had it now, this looks like it came out of the Lord of the Rings. This could be one of the abandoned Gondorian towers on the edges of Mordor. <laughs> it does have it does have a bit of Curathungle and it's yeah, more so, more so than any other Lego castle, this is one that could be a Minas, uh, meaning Minas Tirith, Minas Anor, Minas Morgul. Um, probably not one of the nice good guy places, but it, it has some of that sort of, again, I, I have, kind of have to use the word fantasy architecture to it, where it is a tall tower. Um, and that's, that's new and different, and that's not something to knock about it. It's, it's not a perfect set, but... It's a pretty strong entry, especially doing something different after Lego having been doing castle sets for over a decade. For myself, not having ever had a castle when this came out, and you had two at this point, I would have loved to have had it just purely for the point of owning a castle at that point. Um, and as you mentioned, it came with the Royal Knight, and we didn't mention it, but the Magic Manor came with a Dark Forest figure. And again, this is the last of the of the the themes that kind of slowly bled into each other. So here, it just you know it just kind of helps solidify that yeah, these are the enemies of the Royal Knights and the Dark Forest because they have a repre a, repre a figure representing their themes here. Yeah, if you could flip flop the the Dark Forest figure and the Royal Knight figure, I would have had no issue at all as a kid saying I preferred Night Lord's Castle. The only thing that might have made me say I kind of wanted Witch's Magic Manor a tiny bit more in any category was the fact that it came with that little John, or that's what we called him, uh, Forest and that 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 uh, dark forest figure because i didn't own any dark forest uh technically i still won't own any dark forest i've acquired a bunch of forestman figs but none of the the 96 era dark forest yeah and those are the sets you own the three smallest i own the one smallest we both acquired the minifigure set when it came out uh i also acquired a, a small polybag set that had one soldier and a little treasure cart with it and that was our main Fright Night armies. Uh, we also did each acquire the Fright Night accessory pack, which allowed us to kit out a few a few things in general in our castle realms. Uh, not much, very small sets, but yet very very significant in our in our game creation. And if we if we turn the page, we get the, the feature story of this magazine, uh, a little a little blurb talking about, oh, it's got a picture of the back of, uh, of Night Lord's Castle. Oh, it is actually fully secured to the back. Very good. Very good. Um, but yeah, this, uh, this little blurb here is a little blurb about how uh, Basil became the Bat Lord. Very nonsensical little story. But uh, I think as we were talking about these characters, it really it did add just a little bit more to our 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 concept of of Willa being the the boss about all of this and and the power behind Basil because I mean the story is pretty simple as as you say uh, to quote one sentence Basil tells a story 
of how the witch changed him from a knight into the Bat-Lord. And the idea in the story here is that Basil's just a normal knight and he gets transformed magically into the Bat-Lord. We never really ran with that, but the idea that Willa had magically enhanced Basil so that he wasn't just, you know, a, a, a bad guy with a sword, but he was somehow more dread and more dangerous. And this may be another thing that sort of pulled off the Lord of the Rings. Um, not quite to the same extent as Sauron with the Nazgul, but maybe borrowing a little bit of influence from that. Because um, it's worth noting that the Fright Nights came out, as we said, in 97. We started getting them. Really, 98 was the year when we got all of our Fright Nights, other than that one at the very tail end of 97. And... Um, I read The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. It's hard to say for certain, but it seems to be either it was in 97 or into 98. It seems to have been from the limited evidence that I've got that I finally talked you into reading them early in 99. Could be. So once we had our Fright Night collection sort of assembled, there was was just sort of the right time when when more Lord of the Rings sorts of influences were starting to hit our collection. Uh, one one piece that uh, uh, I realized just to to sort of make a historical note on it, the capes that you mentioned on Basil and Willa, and you mentioned they're not the first cloth capes, although they did sort of open it up a little bit beyond the one that we had, but they are the first cloth capes that had the the two holes for the for the neck to go through. That sort of allows it to wrap around the minifig a little bit more. And this would obviously become hugely important in the Star Wars and Harry Potter themes just a couple of years down the road. Whereas the earlier capes had taken more of a, a straight back approach, looking more like a cape and less like a cloak. So we're halfway through the magazine and the issues that we have have this little insert, which is just a, a little mini shop at home catalog. Uh, with a bunch of little small accessory sets, which I think bears going through because in many respects, these these sort of little mini catalogs with these accessory sets are quite quite important to our to our uh, Lego collections. Oh, ab- absolutely. Maybe not, you know, the Duplo on the front page or the base plates on the second page. But when you get to the middle, when you get to minifig accessories. So we didn't want building accessories. We wanted stuff to put on our minifigs heads and in their hands. Well, you didn't want them so much. I did. Okay, well, in the collective sense in which we talk to each other or over each other or at each other, the things that got the most attention were the things related to the minifig. Um, and and right in the middle of this page, there are some that we got. One of the big ones is the horse accessory, which is just three horses with three saddles. We each got two of those over the course of the years. They were very important because we loved horses. They really gave a visual beef up to our armies. It was just fun to have a, a group of knights or cavalrymen charge. And this just allowed you to kind of beef up some of your characters that you felt deserved a horse, but you didn't have a horse to give them. Well, and, and speaking of the Fright Night magazine, the the three horses there, the one of those three that I got with the first set went to the soldier or knight with the uh, the the catapult set to turn him into a knight. And and like you said, it, it bulked up the army. This getting three horses was halfway to getting yourself a whole cavalry. Uh, it was not an insignificant addition to the military of the pre-Townland society. And and in our conception of, of armies, uh, a horseman was just way more superior than a, a footman. 
Well, he could just like trounce right through them and like kick them and chop them down. Uh, go faster. I mean, all the things you can do with a horse, of course. And on the right of that middle page, uh, there's two ones that I acquired that you did not. The pirate accessory set and the town accessory set. Not too much to say about either of them um, off the top of my head. Uh, they were very helpful. I guess the town accessory set acquired me, allowed me to acquire fireman kit for the first time. I didn't have that for a while, like the, the full fireman kit with the with the face mask and the air tanks. Yeah, up until this set, your 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 lone fireman had to go into uh, in, into fires just holding his breath, I guess. Although I don't even know if you if you had a fireman at the point here. I think when you got that set, uh, you gave all of that equipment straight to Bodhi. Yeah, I can't recall. Um, yeah. What else? There was a. Yeah, this was the only place where we ever had a hairbrush. Um, the pirate accessory set allowed me to have an Islander hairpiece, so that if I wanted to, I could uh, change my chieftain into a. Uh, a regular tribesman and allowed me to do that it also allowed me to customize some of my imperial guards a little bit it gave me my only admiral's hat uh, it gave me an extra backpack and epaulets and soldiers hat so i had three imperial soldiers and three imperial captains this allowed me to change one of my captains into a soldier if i wanted or one of my other captains into an admiral and uh, those epaulets actually became useful later on years to to change some of our uh our space minifigures into admirals to create a little more, a little more interest in that regard. Um, yeah, nothing too crazy. Just kind of allowed for a little more freedom on my part to, to, to kind of have some characters that I wouldn't otherwise have. And a similar thing happened with the castle accessories on the left, which I got. Uh, we actually ordered. I ordered the castle accessories at the same time that you ordered the town one. Didn't I don't remember if you ordered the pirate ones at the same time or a little bit later. But the castle ones came in something like a month and a half before yours did, which was the source of uh, great uh, unfortunateness. Um, and uh, the, the thing that I, I remember being most excited about with the castle accessories was that uh, although it's advertised as having a dragon master shield, the shield that I got was not the green dragon it was the blue dragon which was a black knight shield combine that with the set of dragon plumes that are there and the uh, the crown that's there and i took one of my two black knights who were just both basic soldiers and he turned him into a black knight king promoting him right over the head of your black knight yeah my actual black knight knight he never quite listened to his authority i don't think and speaking of minifigures who benefited from the the horse accessories uh, that king would be another one I guess it must have been this helmet because I never got the castle accessory set for some. Did I or did I? Not this original one, no. But I, did, I feel like I. Well, how did I get that helmet first to call him? I want to say we found it some. Hmm. I, I found a shield for him. Uh, maybe it was just the shield then, and maybe you gave him the helmet with the Knight's Kingdom. Hmm. Are you sure you didn't trade that helmet to me at some point? Also possible. Um, I do remember having it for a while, but I might have traded it to you down the road. Uh, there was a period where Sir Colin had the large shield, but hadn't upgraded to a, a knight. So it could be I'm remembering the period before I tricked that. So what did you do with the large shield, a uh, royal knight shield that you got? The large royal knight shield was tucked onto a stub in the royal knight castle that, because there's, there's a, this is the piece, uh, a uh, two-by-one modified plate with the bar that sticks forward and then straight up. Mm -hmm. There's there's one of those just in the wall by the dungeon on the Royal Knight Castle that doesn't do anything and plop the shield right on there. 
Hmm. I never. I, I am correct in remembering that I never got this set, right? You did not ever get that. Uh, you did end up with parts of this one, though. Uh, at the very least, uh, that wand ended up going to you. As well, it should have. Um, and the set beneath it, did our sister get that? Is that what I remember correctly? Or did we get that? She didn't get that one. She got one very similar to it. Um, although we would have, at, at various times, borrow or buy parts of it. Uh, for example, the gray cowboy hat was mine for a while, uh, living on my body. And I want to say one or another of those race helmets uh, also. Okay, I'm sure that one of us, because I, I definitely got that red helmet. Uh, you had a top hat. Hmm, I don't know. Someone acquired a set similar to that, if not that set. I'm pretty sure it was our sisterhood. I, but like I said, I think elements of it made their way upwards towards us. Again, just the thing that we really liked. The only other thing on this page that I kind of want to draw attention to, we talked last year in the magazine world about space explorers in the uh, Christmas catalog. There's another variation on the set down here. Yeah, it, uh, it does draw, draw confusion. Uh, yeah, I mean, we we owned most of these minifigure sets. Again, it kind of reflecting our, our focus on minifigures. Um, although I feel that while you maybe were far less interested in all these other sets on this page, I certainly looked at them and would occasionally think and drool about acquiring really just about any one of these sets. Um, I guess technically we did own the giant uh, large gray base plate. Uh, trying to think if there was any other one that we may have owned. I think the closest that I ever got to to really like wanting or being interested in any of them was looking at fifty forty six, the spring suspension and tires, also known as the mag wheels. I uh, I wanted most of to be honest, even the Technic ones, which if we flip to the very back page has the same Technic minifigure set, so minifigure set that we talked about the other day. But yeah, just a, a fun little accessory catalog thing that. Certainly was highly influential in in some aspects of of our of our our minifigure kitting out and tweaking and modifying. Yeah, and it's it's definitely possible that this particular issue. I mean, we clearly this is one where we have a bunch of them in. Um, when we did make that first shop at home order that was successful, where I got the castle accessories and you got the town success accessories eventually. Um, it might have been if not out of this particular magazine, started with looking at them. Um, we get another um, two-set uh, alternate uh, design smush on the next page, um, putting together a uh, diver set, which you owned, and an Outback set, which none of us had, which is a little bit unfortunate because it's a cool little, little Outback set. To make the most random helicopter? Question mark. That one ever did see. Yeah, I don't think that thing flies, so let's call it a hydrofoil, maybe? We'll talk more about divers in the issue, but I just want to point out right in here and now as we turn the page that that was a nice diver set. And then the next page, some some fan creations. As we go along, the fan creations are less memorable, although I still remember looking at these and kind of evaluating the pieces that other people owned. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember much off this page other than knowing that being like, oh, yeah, the guy on the bottom's got one of the really float boats. And, oh, the guy on the, on the top, they got some governor torsos. Yeah, not, not too many thoughts or feelings about any of this. I'd say less jealousy for a lot of it. Always good when people don't go showing off Lego that we want too much. On the following page is uh, Tech Tips, which is just an ad for these pullback release dragster Technic 
races sets, which we would have very little say on, save that this is a set that I actually owned. Yeah, if, it, if it's a set I had completely forgotten existed, but unlike the other tech tips that we've, we've re-encountered, where it's like, oh, I wouldn't remember this existed except that it's here in front of me. This is one where it's here in front of me, and I'm like, I had one of those. And that's really about as much as I could tell you about it, but Daniel had one of those. Yeah, I'm trying to remember why. Was this a gift? I think this was a birthday gift from one of our uncles. Something like that sounds possible. Because we did, you and I did own a ha- like one or two small Technic sets that we bought in our hometown because they were the only Lego sets that actually were in the store there. But I don't think this was one of them. I think I was given this, because this is pretty early on actually when I was given this. I think I was given this from one of my uncles for a birthday or Christmas present. Yeah, I don't remember the the origin of this one any more than I really remember what we did with it. Very little. I do I do remember at one point it may have been someone may have actually driven it in races and because it was kind of like this this alternate world it like was actually powerful enough that it could beat the Meg racer but Meg was more skilled and so he would beat it. That sounds possible. Uh, certainly any mini or any Technic fig or mini fig trying to sit on it would have difficulty uh, because of the drawstring. But I, I think we did try working around that. The only other thing I have to say about it is that the box, and then you can see it in the picture here, the box came with a top flap like uh, many things that you buy in stores that are on like the, the horizontal pegs that you can slide several items on. It'll, the thing will often have like a, a top tab that would slide onto that peg. This box came with that tab, although I don't think it had a hole for sliding onto those things. But that's something I've never encountered before in a Lego box. It's certainly unusual, and I can't think of any other um, comparable box. It's certainly not how, normally how Lego sets were sold back then. They were they were stacked very neatly and orderly on regular shelves. Yeah. Yeah, very, very random set. My first, my first proper Technic set. And for a time when you had the minifigure set and I had this, this was our entire Technic collection. And for the longest time, it was our only Technic built set, like our prop, a proper Technic build, even though this is, this is even a bit of an outlier for Technic at the time. I think this was, I think, more trying to like get in on like the craze of, I'm trying to think what those toys were, you know, the little, I have a vague memory. I think this was at the time where, like, they were like those, uh, you pull a cord and a little disc would fly around on the ground and you try to, like, knock each other's out. What are those called? Oh, are you thinking of Beyblades? Something like Beyblades. I feel like this is kind of like Lego's foray into that sort of style of toy. Definitely pushing in that direction. In some ways, it's almost sort of like a proto Cyber Slam. Um, and I think Cyber Slam actually did come with a couple of cars on the similar uh, mindset, uh, which would be a year later. And Cyber Slam really leaned into the, the 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 dueling battling sets sort of thing. But yeah, we never we never quite quite got into it. It, it was too different from the the rest of the Lego that we had and the, the rest of what we did with our. And uh, yeah, that brings us to the the back page, which I'm pretty sure both of these sets are ones that we talked about back in like the Christmas issue. Sprint and Pie Shark. Yeah, I'm not sure. I may have mentioned it briefly. Like nice, cute little pair of Aquazone sets. My favorite part about this back page is, as I said before, the, the Aquazone just had a really nice color scheme, style to them. And I just like looking at their two logos of the Aquanauts versus the Aquashocks. They're just, they're just both very, 
they're just really nice looking. And the bottom of the page is just a giant order form, so not much more to say. Now, before we wrap up, something I think I, I want to, to add as sort of a, a, a summation point on, on these, now that we've moved out of 1996, which, as I've said, I think, before, it, that was sort of the, the, the crowning of classic Lego. I can say no wrong about 96 and earlier. But once we get into 97, in case you didn't notice with my negativity towards the Fright Nights, I can start saying wrong about some of these, these sets and these themes and the way it all kind of comes together. Um, what grade would you give the Fright Night? What would you mark them as? So I, I'm willing to go, go first. I think I would give the Fright Nights um, as an overall grade, probably a B plus. And I think I'm going beyond what your average fan of our age would give, but partly just because I really do like the the sort of the, the the darkness and the hints of fantasy and the color scheme and the new pieces and the the, the importance that Willa and Basil had to our Lego verses. Um, but I could see someone who was really more on the the building side of things just just lambasting the theme. And, and it's worth noting that Willa was like notorious at, at one point for just having like a head that was like almost useless for any other fig purpose. It's very true. But like if you were if you were going to grade this theme, if you were going to say, okay, is it pass, is it fail? If you were going to give it a letter grade, or you're going to give it a percentage grade, or you're going to mark mark it on building on minifigs, what 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 would you say is your 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 your, your final p opinion on this on this? Well, you've heard you've heard my grade. I think if I were to break it down a little bit, I'd say that the the minifigs are are they're A grade. They're, they're the minifigs are excellent. The the color scheme is is in the B's. The only, but the issue with the theme is it is a little bit more juniorized, and that's that's sort of where I would I would knock it down. I don't know. I like what I see. I'd give it a B minus probably. You like what you see, but you grade them lower than me. I think I grade most things in general very differently than most people do. I uh, I start at the midway point and they go up or down. So I don't know what the midway point on letter grades is like a, a C, I guess. And so they're above the midpoint, so they're they're doing good in my estimation. We'll see if grading things becomes an ongoing feature. I I, I sort of think that it it will because I I tend to have opinions on those sorts of things. But uh, you you heard it here. We put the fright nights in the B range, averaging us out. We'll see if we agree with uh, each other on. And uh, I don't know. You got anything else on this particular magazine? This issue? Nothing more to say at this point. All right, then we'll wrap it up and tune in next time.